Welcome back to AT TV Tea Time. My name's Alana and I am joined by a very special guest who is a triple threat in my opinion. Oh. Presenter, actor, director. He just did all the lighting and the setup in this room as well. <laughs> so you can add that to his roster. It is Isla. Hey, triple threat. The only thing I can't do is dance and whistle and swim. I, rec- I can't and, swim either. And click my fingers. You can't click your fingers. Yeah, I can't. We had this whole thing at the the event, the turn up. Yes. Event. Oh yeah, I remember. You That's saying what we met. Yeah, That's the whole turn. I couldn't. I, I told everyone I couldn't click. I couldn't whistle and I couldn't swim. And everyone just the whole conversation was just about that. I'm pretty sure I did see him dance at turn up though, so I'm sure he can dance. No, I, I, I could just about bop my head to a beat. That's, 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 that's the, all you need, rhythm. Yeah, that's dance. Just my head bop. Anyway, welcome, welcome. I've um, been trying to get you on for a while. No, it's been a while, it's man. It's been a we while. finally made it work. I it's know, finally made it work. So, obviously, like I did in your introduction, presenter, actor, director. Mm-hmm. What came first? How on earth did you end up in the position that you're in right now? You know what's mad? What came first for me was actually um, music. Oh. Yeah, I was an R&B singer. I was not expecting yeah. that. <laughs> I was an R&B singer before I was a filmmaker, like, by trade. Um, I always did it. I was always filming and stuff and uh, editing and whatnot, but um, that's how I started off. I started off as an artist. I made a whole mixtape. Um, I got into BBC introducing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and I had, like, loads of music coming out. I was songwriting. And then at the same time, I was filming other people's music videos like on the block and like rap videos and all that. Yeah. Then I moved on to filmmaking properly and then I made a series called Mandem on the Wall. Um, and then while I was doing that, I was doing music at the same time. And then it kind of just, the filmmaking side of me just pushed more, yeah. started advancing more. So then I just put the music behind and that was it. Okay. So was there any musical people in the household that inspired that? No. No, you know, no one in my family had a music well my granddad had a really good voice and my dad has a really good voice and my dad still sings now so he does it for for a passion you know he's got his own little band and everything he's quite sick and i guess that's where i got it from i guess but i, I just had a love for music okay. like when i grew up i was just always around r&b like joe was my first album craig david and then when you're surrounded by it and you listen to it all the time you just start singing but it was always like a secret i kept it as a secret didn't really tell my parents or my family or anything. I just did it. And then back then, YouTube and social media wasn't as big as it is now. So then, you know, because when you come from an Asian family, there's so many things they can disapprove of. So I just kept it a secret. But it was just, I think at that time, at that young age, you just kind of explore all your talents and see what kind of works and see what doesn't. So um, what age did you do Mandem on the Wall? What age was this that we're talking about right now? I was 19 when I was looking out my window um, in South London, in Broccoli, uh, and I saw a bunch of mandem chilling on a wall. And it was there, they were there every every day without fail. And then I was looking out the window and I said to my friend Aminu, and I said to him, bro, I really want to make a series about a bunch of like these mandem on the wall. And then I went to an event and uh, there performing was Javan Wade, Percival Escort, and D. Cartier. And I ran up to them after I was filming the event so I ran up to them after and I said guys give me your numbers I got an idea about a bunch of mandem on the wall and that's literally how it started then we met up we improved and then the group got bigger and then we just started filming and then it took us about three turns like three takes to do the pilot right three times and then 
started rocketing from there, man. And, and it then, was a YouTube series, isn't it? It was a YouTube series, and it was like it was like the era where Twitter was just popping, YouTube was the main platform, and Instagram wasn't even around. Instagram came in like halfway through, and it wasn't what Instagram is now today. It was just literally like just pictures and holiday pictures or whatever. So it was at a time where YouTube was the core platform where everyone would go to for content. So Amanda Manoa was just popping. And then two years later, it carried on. I left the, the project, uh, the boys carried on, and which is known now today as the Wall of Comedy, uh, Wall of Productions. We're still in touch. Oh, wow. They're still doing their thing. Then I moved on to add acting on top of my resume. So I started writing and producing and directing Corner Shop. So Corner Shop was a series, and then that was more targeted at the South Asian community. So for those that don't know, Corner Shop is about a a dad that leaves his son in charge of yeah. the shop, and the series is a YouTube series, and it basically is all about the strange customers that come in and yeah. competition with other shops. I mean, yeah, is that right? yeah, basically, because, I mean, everyone has a corner shop. Yeah. No matter what part of the world you live in, whether it's London or New York, you've got a corner shop, right? And the, a corner shop in Britain is like, every thing every store that everyone has in common do you know what i mean no matter what, what corner of london or in the uk you have you always have a corner shop and no matter what life of no matter what walk of life you come from everyone goes to a corner shop whether you're you know male or female you're walking in and out grabbing your milk your bread your chocolate whatever and then you say hi to boss man and you walk out so i was like that is the perfect like location to make a series mm. so then uh, i wrote myself as the lead and then I learned so much making a series. Like, Mandem and War was made on no budget. Um, but this, obviously, was started from scratch. And I learned so much more from uh, my experience on Mandem and War. And then moving on to Corner Shop. And then I learned even more doing Corner Shop. And then as the series grew, it got more popular online. Um, it had a massive, and it still does, a massive young audience. And, um, you know, meeting people as I was networking and, getting them to be on the series like by the end of it it lasted for seven years oh wow yeah, it lasted for seven years and the last episode we made it into a feature film which took us two years to make eventually but i went all out i said i want to do this i want to do that i want to do this i had plans for the film that i had like four years ago in my head and i made it happen and literally like we if you watch it it looks like we had a budget but we didn't mm. do you know what i mean we had like just money in our pocket and then we just pulled it off and then i just i said to myself i want a red carpet premiere in the cinema i don't care how i'm gonna do it but yeah. i'm gonna do it and then literally got it into cineworld in the o2 oh wow and then um lockdown happened okay and then obviously uh cineworld was going up and down in, during lockdown so that was kind of the downhill of the of the film but you know it premiered there and that was like the height of the premiere and that was the end of the series as well and like yeah so many young people remember it and then like years later even now i meet young people that are like 19 or 20 and they're like bro i grew up with corner shop yeah i'm like wow man i grew up with fresh prince <laughs> and keenan and kill yeah and you're telling me you grew up with corner shop and like that you know what i mean and it's crazy to think i made something that's part of people's childhoods and how does that feel as well because you did mention about being representative of the south asian community like how important is that for you when you made corner shop it's important because when I grew up, there was no one that looked like me on screen. There was no British Bangladeshis at all. The only one was Connie Hawk, and she was on Blue Peter. But that's the only person I could identify to. There was no actor, there was no artist, there was no one. Like, you turn the TV on, it just, you didn't feel represented. And you, 
as a child, you don't know what representation is because if you don't see it, you don't learn it, right? So then what starts happening when you do get um, intrigued about the creative industry, you start thinking, oh, I want to do that. That would be nice if I did that. But then you don't feel motivated or, or inspired because there's no one like you. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it's like not having that growing up now means that with what I've built, I'm not saying I've like built an empire, but with what I've built, I need to then, you know, create that for the young people out there that are like me, that the way I was back in the day, because I don't want them to feel like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So there's so much, there's so many layers to representation and what it means for people, but the main thing is to turn on your TV or turn on your YouTube or whatever and just feel like, feel seen, yeah. feel heard. Do mm. you know what I mean? So... That's amazing. Yeah. So, with with direct, so Cornership, you direct. Did you direct that as well as acting it? I wrote it, directed it, produced it, starred in it, edited it, color graded it. Oh wow! So mixed it. All these skills, not just triple threat. Clearly, <laughs> you've got like dozens. I still of can't. Skills. I still can't click and swim. Did and you whistle. go to university? What was the so steps for you to learn these? How, how it started? I failed my GCSEs. Okay. So my GCSE results spelt fudge. And then <laughs> I like and then I discovered media as a BTEC. So I was like, what's media, man? What's media? It was either media or, you know, social health care or something like yeah. that. And I was like, well, I don't want to train to be a midwife, so <laughs> let me do this. So then I did BTEC media and I loved it. So it came to me by accident. But then I loved it so much and I, like, I was filming and whatnot. But even then, I had a knack for filming on my phone. I had like an old, like... Sagem phone like I don't even think that brand existed oh wow I actually do old school phone yeah. and I used to film my cousins playing football and they used to do tricks and I used to pause it and then I used to put it together and I used to go on like Windows Movie Maker and like make all these edits and stuff so I was always I, was, I always had a knack for it as a kid but I never pursued it and then studied it in uh, sixth form continued it in college uh, and then I failed my A-levels I just got a knack for failing failed my A-levels but I always passed media so then I, then I did a foundation course in art and that's when my perspective on film changed because my art teacher was like, I said, I've never painted a picture. I can't do an art degree. He's like, don't paint a picture, make a film. I was like, but a film's not art. He goes, yes, it is. Film isn't art. And he taught me about cinematography and how lighting works and how different shades of um, colours and shadows. And he started showing me all these film noir movies and I was understanding film as an art. And then I took that on, went to the uni, studied media and TV. And then it was while I was in uni that I did Mandem on the Wall. So I was already geared up and I was like, look, I can't just rely on my studies gotta go all out and do it myself so and that is such a key thing that i always say to people especially even in the in the tv industry yeah. when you're at uni make sure that you're doing so much more outside of uni mm. to actually elevate yourself because once you leave uni you've got your degree you've got your paper yeah. you've got the skills but you don't have any contacts Bruv, it's or... been what i left uni in 2013 ain't no one asked for my degree for proof not one. nothing <laughs> i've not needed it i'm in debt for no reason bruv yeah. I could have just not gone and just made Mandem on Wall and just like carried on. But yeah, it is what it is, man. So with the YouTube series, obviously you kind of like peaked in YouTube at yeah, its yeah. prime time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did that feel like when you realised that Mandem on the Wall started to gain traction and then Corner Shop gained traction? Yeah, like, yeah. What did that feel like and what does that traction look like? It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because now, I mean, it's like when people get a lot of followers or they get a blue tick or you get... Um, you know loads of interaction on a video the hype that it can generate can really make you go wow and it can make you feel famous like oh my god oh my god but for me it was like 
keeping my ego in check. Because I never, even now, I always tell myself in the mirror or in my in my thoughts, I don't do things for for popularity. I try and always do things for purpose. It's the two Ps. The two Ps. The two Ps. Like you, either, you either do it for popularity or you do it for purpose. For me, I don't do it for popularity. Right? I do it for purpose. If the purpose is pure, if the purpose is clean, if the purpose is to help people, if the purpose is to um, start a movement or do something positive, then naturally your purpose is going to be popular. Do you get it? People people hear what you want to say. And that's just that's not me. That's proven in, in history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Malcolm X didn't come out and say, yo, I want to be famous. Malcolm X had a purpose. Now you know who Malcolm X is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, it was like when YouTube, my YouTube views are going up and the you know the the press and this and getting pictures from people on the street and stuff like that for me it was like my purpose is is what's shining and that's what people are drawn to so for me it's not even like you're a fan of isla it's like you're a fan of corner shop you're a fan of something i created that's bigger than me do you know what i mean yeah so when parents i used to get stopped on the street by parents and the parents would say like oh one woman I remember I was holding a parking space for my dad and I asked this woman in the car can you not park because my dad's just about to come in and she goes oh my god you're that guy from corner shop I'm like hi she goes my son's homeschooled and I don't watch I don't let him watch anything other than your show I was like oh my god it's crazy but can my dad still park it <laughs> like it was bad <laughs> but I used to get stopped like that and it's like and I still do I still get parents saying oh you know my kids grew up with this and I get young people telling me I grew up with it and it's like it, it's fulfilling as a filmmaker, because when you're making a film on no budget, you go through so much like issues and struggles and like late nights where thinking, why am I doing this? I'm not even getting paid or, you know, should I carry on or should I just get a part time job? You go through all these self doubts and stuff. And then when it finally comes out and people sit and they appreciate your work, people used to plan their days around the Corner Shop episode release. Even though it's on YouTube and you can watch it anytime, I'd promote it and say, right, it's at 7 pm on a Saturday. People would book days off work. People would um, call their families, get bare snacks, and then they start sending videos to me. Back back then, it was like obviously just YouTube and Twitter and a bit of Instagram. So people would just kind of upload it on their post and tag me, um, fifteen second videos. And people used to get popcorn, snacks, and call their cousins. And everyone was like getting to the beds at night, and like it was like a sleepover. And people would just get happy just crazy. to watch like premiere it on YouTube. And I'm like, bro, you know you can watch it anytime. <laughs> and one uh, two scenarios that I remember, and there's so many of them, but two that stood out to me was. One girl, um, one young girl messaged me, or was it anymore? One young girl messaged me and said, um, thank you so much for Corner Shop because my dad started watching it and she sent me a video and it was her and her siblings and the dad was watching it from the doorway and he just he was just wondering what it is. Then he slowly started sitting down and then he sat next to them and they watched the whole episode. And then she finished the message with, my dad never spends time with us. He never watches anything with us. He's always working. This is the first time he sat down in years to sit with us as a family and he watched Corner Shop with us. So then she said, thank you. And I was like... Oh, my goodness. You don't... That makes me feel choked in my throat. You know what I mean? You don't, buy, you don't buy that. And that's when yeah. I... It was moments like that when I realised that this is bigger than me. This is this this purpose is greater than I am. And then I, I was... After a Corner Shop and everything finished, I started going into teaching in, um, in schools and youth clubs and I started doing, like, media courses for young people. Oh. And then... I did a course at Swanley School in Whitechapel and I was teaching a, a bunch of year nines and then went on to be year tens. And then one of the girls uh, came up to me and she said, um, thank you so much for Corner Shop because you, you got me through my parents' divorce. Wow. And I was just like, 
God, you can make me cry, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, that's that's what you call purpose. Yeah. You that's just it. went in with like no, yeah, yeah, no yeah. ulterior motive. No, nah, you don't. Just you just, you just create, and you just like I said, as long as your purpose is clear, then it's 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 all good. And plus, as a when you think about like, oh, uh, how did it feel when you got popular on YouTube and blah blah blah. Even as a filmmaker, obviously, if I've gone through all that time and effort to make a film and I've and maybe I've put it in cinema and nobody turns up, then obviously that's going to hurt me, right? Cool. So if the, if the seats get filled, then obviously as a filmmaker, you're going to feel fulfilled. So for me, I just see it as appreciated that my hard work doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like kind of validating like, I am good at this, you know, yeah. like you said about your failure and your fudge FUGs, like fudge GCSEs, like that is kind of that thing of like, okay, I just wasn't doing the right thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's what I think when it comes to exams and certain subjects, it's like, well, that's just not who you are. That's mm. why you failed. It's true. It's like failure is just a path, a different path to success. It just, yeah. it, it just changes your road to be like, no, don't go that way, go this way. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a, there's a reason I failed at everything but media. Mm. And that's where I am today. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. I'm not saying I got like a house in Bel Air, bruv. Like, <laughs> I wish. But you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty yeah. well. So obviously, in terms of the you filmmaking, you're producing, you're writing, acting. Like, we had a little chat downstairs about something that you're making recently. But like, what decided, what day was it when you were like, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to act in this as well. Because obviously, you know what? as well. The day that I knew I could act, yeah. Um, I got in a madness in South London with my boys and the police came in it. So then obviously the police were asking me, like, did you see something? Did you see anything? And I was like, no, nah, I didn't see nothing. And that's the day I knew I could act. <laughs> that is the day I, I knew that. I could act because <laughs> the police believed my lie. I was like, yeah, I think I can do this, you know? <laughs> Literally. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, when I, when I decided to act properly, it was Corner Shop. Corner Shop was my kind of, my acting gym because I was just practicing loads of ways and accents and impressions and, you know, scenarios and emotional scenes and angry scenes and funny scenes. And then I, that's what built me as an actor. And then after that, I got myself an agent and then I started, you know, doing acting job after acting job. And then, yeah, man, it just, that that's when the acting route went. But with acting, it's always up and down because jobs come and go. Yeah. And then especially when you've got the color of my skin, acting jobs don't come often. So when you do... All the Asian people are going for the same role. Oh. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a it's like a massive room with all of us, and you know there's not many opportunities for us. So, in what I do instead of like troubling myself with those kind of thoughts is just make my own stuff. Make your own. Make my own. own yeah, yeah, make really? my own. Like, just I write my stuff, direct my own stuff, and I just cast myself in it, or you know, and just play the role. So. so how important is it to have an agent? Those that listen might want to go into mm. acting. Like how vital would you say having an agent is? Agents are really important because they are the middleman in the industry. So Hollywood or even British films, um, they go to agents and say, who, who have you got? And then they, they're the ones that tell them, oh, I've got this person, that person, that actor. And they vouch for you. So it is important because... Big productions, they don't have they don't have time to go on social media and like search you out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every company goes to an agency and the agency handles their business. Every um company goes to a PR agency and goes to them to handle their advertising. Do you know what I mean? It's just how the industry works. Yeah. However, to get an agent isn't hard. It's not hard. If you got if you do your research, literally Google is your best friend. Top ten agents in London, boom, they will give you top ten. <laughs> And then you just find the websites. And some people actually write articles and blogs to help you. And you follow the blogs and you say, right, this is the name of this agent. Here's the contact details. Or go on their website, scroll down to contact us, and then write an email. Then you just have to write an email, 
be honest about it. Make sure you got a headshot, a showreel, keep you more nice and brief because you have to imagine these people get emails on a Monday morning, like 300, you're going to be at the like, bottom of the list. You've got to make it very clear and precise what you want. Yeah. And they're not going to disrespect that. They're not going to be like, oh, this person's rude. They're just be like, all right, cool, get to the point. What do you want? Yeah. And then after that, once you've got their interest, that's it, you're in. Okay. And then, so obviously when you make films and you get actors in, yeah. what process do you have? Yeah. So, I mean, n- knowing how it feels for me as an actor to walk into an audition and how, like, tense it is and terrifying and, like, you get anxiety and stuff, I make sure when I cast actors, I give them the opposite um, experience. Yeah. So I just finished um, a film called If Only, um, which is funded by the co- uh, Council in Tower Hamlets. And we worked with a charity called Streets of Growth. And they work with vulnerable young people, getting them off the streets. And um, we basically work with them to get those kids into the arts. So they got to be involved in the film on set, behind the scenes opportunities that they probably wouldn't have got in school or college or never imagined that they'd be a part of um and we were able to work with young people and create a film based on their their stories and their true stories so we were able to create a film again with a purpose um something that is not dramatized it's not fiction no you know it's not like an action movie it's not mission impossible it's literally gritty grounded realistic and true and um, you know, doing stuff like that. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> it's just about how you get actors, but I'm absolutely yeah. loving hearing this. <laughs> so, getting actors for that. Yeah. So I put the uh, audition, the casting out, and I put the casting out onto social media and on, on Star Now. Um, and then it got so popular that Spotlight actually got in touch with me. Oh wow! And they said, "Oh, would you like to do a free casting?" And then after that, we'll sign you up, and you can do paid ones and stuff. And I said, "Thank you, but right now I'm good." Because everyone who applied to be on the film doesn't have a spotlight account. They don't have a show reel, but they're talented. And I want to give them opportunities. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? So literally, like one of my lead, my lead actress in the film was her first short film. First short film and I gave her a chance. To uh, one of the young boys, he sent his self-tape in. And it was just him on a portrait mode. And he was like, yo, my name's Darren. Just want to show you what I got. Boom. And he's read the lines. I was like, I like this kid brought him in for an audition and I made sure when they came to the audition that they were comfortable they didn't feel nervous I went over there as a director to speak to all of them um, even the ones that didn't get the role I was like look you're all here do your best you know don't be scared we're all here to just you know learn if you if you guys are feeling nervous or you feel uncomfortable let me know let's work work around it and I just made them feel like welcome so that they can feel like they came did did their best gave it the role and, and left it there do you know what I mean but so you you talk about a lot about you know obviously representing communities but also helping kind of young people choose the right path and mm. you know so they don't go into these difficult places yeah, yeah. where has that come from for you want to do that like is it where you grew up that inspired that or do um, you just feel like you that's the responsibility that you want to have to try and get more people again i think it just in. came naturally man like i think growing up i never had the opportunities given to me or presented to me. Do you know what I mean? Growing up, my family never really supported what I did. Do you know what I mean? Even now, it's like here and there. Um, so I never got the support. I never got the the infrastructure or the advice or like, oh yeah, do do it like this and you'll you'll do it. But I had to, I winged it all my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I winged it, and then knowing how that felt for me as a young person, I don't want more young people to feel like that. I don't want that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like when I, again, these opportunities just. They come to me and then I can't deny it. I can't turn it away because I'm like, I can't not take this opportunity to not first to do what I love 
And secondly, to, you know, help another kid out there that is like a younger version of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is. it does feel like a responsibility. Um, and it, it feels like I'm helping my inner child. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm helping my past self. Because it's like, you know, I didn't get that. But it shouldn't make me bitter. It should make me want to be better and help another young person. Open those gates for those. Yeah, man. Because you never know where they could lead. And to, to, to know that you were a part of their journey, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I love that. Oh. So presenting and obviously BBC. Yeah. How did that come about? Did they spot you? Did you apply for it? Presenting came accidentally again. Everything I've been doing is by accident. I just wing life. Things, the accident, but they all just, fall into place because that is what is yeah, supposed to happen. You know what, presenting, I, I remember my first presenting job, I did an interview on a website with a band called Culture Shock. And yes. I I did an interview randomly in Westfield and then I was like, oh, I actually, I'm actually all right. Do you know what I mean? And it was literally just based off of the fact that I can hold a conversation and I can just be comedic and just, just have a laugh and whatnot. And then it was just like the odd job here and there. Then it was like, oh, could you host this fashion event? Oh, could you host this comedy night? Could you host this? And then it was like hosting here and there. And then presenting was, again, it was just dipping up and down. And then um, with BBC, uh, the manager got in touch with me um, when he got his promotion and he said he's looking for new talent he wants to you know do a show and whatnot so then i went in for a pilot and then went in for another pilot went for another pilot until the pilot was seamless and he was like right you're ready and then that's how i got the job um and that's when like presenting i guess took a professional turn yeah because once you got bbc behind your name it's like yeah you're professional you're getting paid yeah. for it and then yeah i mean radio presenting again it was different for me because presenting for me was always on camera yeah. And then finally being on radio, it was like being on camera, but not on camera. Because you've got to sound like you're on camera, but you're not. It's weird. <laughs> so I got used to it in the end. I mean, I still want to train and do do better. Um, but yeah, that's how that came about. And then then obviously off the back of Corner Shop, the series, I made, um, I transitioned it into Corner Shop Network, the platform. So now I create content on there that champions ethnicity. Yeah. And then I just make entertaining content. And then off the back of that, I get invited to do press at red carpet events for movies and premieres and events. And then obviously I can't be ever at once. So what I did was um, sign up new presenters yes, so that I've they get that. jobs. So now they go to red carpets and, I, and I'm just watching them, you know, um, you know, talking to the celebs and whatnot. And then, you know, I get I hire new talent to do filming and then they edit it, whatnot, and then it just goes out. So now it's like I've created opportunities for other presenters. Yeah, because I was on Corner Shop's youtube and i was like hang yeah. on a minute this is so much more than just yeah, a series yeah, yeah. like this is it, this is a network yeah, this yeah, is like yeah. a fat it, yeah, it became like a, a platform yeah, it became a platform yeah it, 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 it rocketed fast because and the transition was nice because it was like guys okay look the corner shop series coming to an end everyone was all outside about it but then i was like look it's not the end they've got other stuff coming so i slowly transitioned out made different kind of videos tested a few things out now everyone kind of knows okay corner shop is a network it's a platform you know, now we're like producing different kind of things, like a dating show. Uh, we've got so many things in the pipeline. It's a lot to do. But, I mean, you do producing as well. Do you know how it is? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a lot to do, especially when you don't have the money for it. You've got to always look for a sponsor and look for a, a brand to support it. Yeah. But it's it's fulfilling, man, because again, you just create opportunities for everyone else. And like I said, Corner Shop, Corner Shop Network now is bigger than me. That's, it is a network. That like, is what it is. Yeah. And for, for Corner Shop Network, my inspiration was. Jamal Edwards with SBTV he created something that's long lasting that's bigger than him he was always the face of it if you did your research you always you know he was the start of it but 
he was the one that created a platform for so many artists. Yeah. And when he passed away, how many people were like, thank you for creating this for us. Do you know what I mean? Ed Sheeran, Jesse J, like, that's what I took on board. And I got the, you know, the, the honour to work with him once. And that's what I took on board. I was like, Corner Shop Network can be that for so many other people. Yeah. Presenters, actors, um, you know, behind the scenes talent. Again, it's bigger than me. The purpose is always greater than you. And it's like the legacy as well that he's left, like SBT yeah. lives on. Like, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. What did you work with him on? We were uh, Mandem on the Wall. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we worked to Jamal Edwards and Mandem on the Wall. We had the same YouTube partnership. Um, it was so funny. We was in a meeting, a little roundtable meeting, professional setting, like business people with suits and that. And here here I was with like my South London self and like the boys, Javan and Percy and D. And then Jamal Edwards just walked in and then, we're chatting to him about what we were planning and stuff. And he had like four or five phones just buzzing off. And he's like, yo, yo, well, I'm just going to meet him. Da, da, da. And he's texting. Like, he, he's funny. He's a funny guy, man. He was cool. He's cool. Oh, nice. So where do you see things going for you now in terms of like presenting, acting, directing, filmmaking, editing? Do you want to continue doing that? Do you want to definitely one lane specifically? Yeah, I definitely know what I want to pursue. I definitely want to pursue writing, directing, um, and acting those are the three things I definitely want to pursue presenting is like if a job comes that's suitable for me I'll take it yeah what I mean um, and the, the filming side of things like being behind the camera and editing the stuff I do it if I have to because yeah. like when push comes to shove and you're the only one who can do it I'm able to do it but pursuing those main three things like filmmaking and acting is what I want to do do you know what I mean because there's very few people that can um do, do all of that <laughs> yeah you know what i mean that's not even me trying to blow my own yeah, trumpet no, it's just there's very few people that can pull it off and 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 do it. Well, and i'm always learning i'm always yeah. learning but i think this film that i just done if only is probably the biggest and best thing i've ever produced and like watching it back and then showing a few people just to make sure i'm not in my own you know in my own bubble thinking yeah it's great other people were telling me like the producers watched it the crew watched it um and they all just gave feedback saying that they had goosebumps on their arms and like they were just like you know I mean? they were like this is so good do you know what I mean so yeah so when is what. that film out if only is out uh, in cinemas August the 5th in Genesis in Tower Hamlets um, and then we're going to have multiple screenings around schools and youth clubs um, hopefully when schools are back in September we're going to screen it in all the schools in the borough and then start moving out of the borough oh, lovely. so it's just going to be screened everywhere hopefully into film festivals um yeah. yeah before it even reaches online we're going to screen it everywhere because again the purpose of the film is bigger than the, f the actual film yeah and then the documentary we're screening at the same time and streets of growth at the base so there's a lot there's a lot happening it's a lot happening so in terms of all these skills yeah that you've acquired like what would you suggest to somebody that is perhaps maybe at school or college or university like I remember being in college and being like oh I don't want to learn editing that's not what I'm interested mm. in and then my teacher basically forced me and sat me down and once I got into it I was like oh god I love it <laughs> and now I can edit my own podcast so like yeah. would you suggest that people just get as much yeah get experience? get as much experience as, as you can man try everything you don't like doing because if anything you'll learn what you do like doing and you actually like what you like doing more do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it's very useful to have skills that you don't like doing because if, for example, like, I don't like editing. I mean, I enjoy it when I can edit something good, but it is draining. My back hurts. I'm on my desk a lot, right? But if I was on a project where I had an editor, and let's just say that editor came to me with an excuse, like, oh, I can't edit this because of that reason. I know you're lying to me because, yeah. bruv, I've been there. Don't try it. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you, if you have experience everywhere, it's only going to help you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So just dabble in everything. Dabble in it as much as you can. As much as you can you know get I mean? all that experience. So how can we find you? How can we find Corner Shop? If anyone wanted to get involved, how would they reach you? Socials, man. Socials, email, uh, at Corner Shop Network or at Mr. Isla. You know what's my thing? Everyone keeps thinking my name's Mr. Mr. Because... It's just Mr. as an MR. Yeah, yeah. So I looked at my passport and it's like Mr. Isla. And I was like, oh, that's a nice that's like, stage nice. name. So I thought, oh, let me be smart and change the spelling so it looks funky. And it's like M-I-S-T-A-H-I-S-L-A-H. So it looks the same. Now people are thinking, hey, Mr. I'm like, that's not my name. Oh. So now I can't change my display name because no, the blue tick's no. there. And it's like, they are, Instagram doesn't let you change your name. I'm like, so yeah, Mr. Isla. Mr. Isla. <laughs> Mr. Isla and at obviously Corner Shop Network. And yeah, man, that's that's it, man. I'm me. And how important is social media to the growth of your network? I love and I hate social media. Okay. I love and I hate social media. Social media is great for work. It's great for um, publishing your work, getting your stuff out there, getting traffic and whatnot. But I hate the reality side of things. I don't like... Yeah. I'm not like a Love Island um, reality TV star. I don't like when people like poach into your private life because... Mm. With four social media, we were all happy. Social media causes <laughs> depression, causes anxiety, yeah. causes young young people to, um, you know, fall into situations they shouldn't be in. It's dangerous for for even younger children. Do you know what I mean? Like we live in a very dangerous world with, you know, I hate to say it, with paedophiles and murderers and stuff. And social media is just giving them all the access, bro. There's so many layers to social media that I just don't like. But as a tool for marketing and business, it's great. So that's why it's important to use it for my business but yeah like for the right reasons for the right reasons and there's no shade on ever, anyone else who's like a blogger or a lifestyle blogger or like a uh um you know a mummy blogger or a daddy blogger or a family blogger like so many bloggers so many <laughs> bloggers like there's no shade on them it's just my personal opinion do you know what i mean i mean there's actors out there that are famous that don't have social media exactly do you know what i mean yeah it's like um What's her name from Titanic? Uh, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, yeah? yeah. She's not on social media. No. And she had an interview on, um, and then she was like, I want my children to look at the sky with their own two eyes, not take a picture of it, or not take a picture of it, and someone comment and tell them that it's shit. That shouldn't be an issue. Like, they need to grow up like a normal human being. And I respected it. I yeah, like, she did a massive speech at the BAFTAs, where I was. Cheers! Um, <laughs> Come on. And um, it was, yeah, it was eye-opening that she yeah, was yeah. really advocating it. And it's funny, because after that, there were so many like viral moments of what she'd said behind the scenes and even on stage that was like on TikTok, on Instagram, but she didn't even know about it. And sometimes I was thinking, does she even care? And how nice mm-hmm. is it that she doesn't even care that she's going viral? But this like, is what I'm saying. That's purpose. Purpose. Purpose yeah. and the popularity comes with it. And she doesn't even care because she is literally voicing her purpose. That's all she's doing. Mm-hmm. And when the when the purpose is that great, the popularity follows. You know what I mean? So it's similar to, I said this at the turn up event, right? My dad said to me, chase your dream, don't chase money. Because yeah. if you chase your dream, money will chase you. If you're always chasing money, you're always going to be sad, depressed, troubled. Do you know what I mean? You're going to be left alone. Do you know what I mean? And if you replace money with popularity, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember when I was growing up as well, my mum used to say to me, because I used to miss out on a lot of people's birthdays. I missed out on a few girls' holidays because I was always coming up to London from Norfolk. And um, she was like, chase the dream, the money will come. And then you'll go to every event, which is why I'm outside all the time. Come on. (laughs) Getting them steps in. Exactly. Have you got any advice to people, younger people that are thinking about 
getting into this industry? Like, what could you... I say, you know what? My advice to any young person who wants to get into the creative industry is that there's so many tools now online. There's so many courses. There's so many after-school clubs. There's so many, um, you know, people like me that are giving back that, you know, you can go to. There's so many, like, there's just so many opportunities. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's... Sign up to every event, go to every event, go to every panel talk, um, you know, jump on LinkedIn, jump on Starna. Don't, like, look down on anything. Any any small platform is an opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Just You just have to make yourself available everywhere. And you, you have to remember your talent is, is, you know, irreplaceable. Everyone is unique in their own way. And there's, there's something about you that's special. The right person just needs to see it. But unfortunately, the, that right person that needs to see it is really busy. He's in his corporate office and he's like, you know, got 100 emails and stuff. So you need to make yourself known and shine for him to be like, oh, who's, what's that? Who's that over there making noise? And bro, people go viral all the time nowadays. You know, dancers, actors, TikTokers, they go viral and that's how they get popular. Well, that, that guy that um that got massive and all he does is this. Oh, yeah, he only goes up to things and goes. Yeah, he just puts his hands up. He's massive. Doesn't even say anything. He doesn't say anything. Goes to premieres. Yeah. Lots of stuff so now. it's like, bruv, use social media to your advantage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's the accessibility that I never had growing up is there. Like that's what I'm exactly. You know what I mean, I'm there like spending hours doing a whole film, and someone gets what goes viral on a 10 second video about their dog. Like, <laughs> do you know how that makes me feel? Like, and then they're representing like Pampers nappies. Yeah, but I'm getting all these. <laughs> the there was a like, it's not, uh, no, shade, no, no shade, no shade, no shade. But no, okay, that's great. Well, Danny, thank you so much for coming on, yeah, and man, we're looking pleasure. forward to the film very much. Yeah, so yeah. it's going to be a big one, I think, just for the culture in general yeah, yeah. in that area. But also, I think a lot of people from other areas in London and other areas of the country that are disadvantaged are going to mm. take something from it. So we very much look forward. To I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm excited myself. I'm excited myself. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for. It's such a nice on. podcast. I feel like this was a therapy session. Oh, yeah. We can I mean, carry on.